0: Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Match Play. In this episode, Justin Chesham of Christopher Newport University Men's Soccer and I welcome Bobby O'Brien. Bobby is a technical director of the Virginia Rain and Virginia Legacy Soccer Clubs in Williamsburg, Virginia. Bobby grew up playing in the club and went on to be a standout at Virginia Tech. He shares his recruiting story and goes on to talk about helping youth players find their right spot after high school. It It was a pleasure to have Bobby on the podcast. Please enjoy if you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast, so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com.
1: Bobby, I went to uh, Bobby, I, my my son has his first soccer practice yesterday.
2: Did you coach? Nah. Good, don't do it.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought I've been thinking about that a long time, man. You know, Hags is like you gotta do it, you know. Uh,
2: so I I, I mean I I, I coach both my kids now. And it's taken me about three years to basically figure out how to coach Knox because you know, I, I'm either dad or a coach and like I'm always wrong and he never wants to listen and right. all that kind of stuff. But So I've figured out the right balance. Piper a lot easier to coach and a lot more responsive and can handle, you know, criticism and such. Um, so it's – at the same time, when I don't coach them and I step away and I see, you know, what they're doing or what other coaches are doing, I'm like, all right, that's it. i, I got to fix this. So it's uh, – you'll go back and forth with it for – forever there's I don't think there's any right or wrong answer but yeah I think coaching them past a certain age you know like you know when they're 9 10 you know that's probably the time I'm starting to look like all right now they need somebody else it's yeah it's more logistics things Is probably why I'm doing it right now to be honest than uh than anything so well if
1: he's any good I'll, I'm just sending him right to you I, I, I'll sit on the sideline with parents and chew, uh, chew gum and have headphones in
2: it's so much nicer over there, although they they badmouth you the whole time. It's funny because Mel sits on the sideline, and she doesn't come to a lot of stuff. So, but also when she does, a lot of people know who she is, and then you know they'll say things about you know the coaches, the club, or different <laughs> things, and she just like eavesdrops and brings it all back to me later and laughs Good. about it. Good.
0: That's why I always sat way away from all the parents because it just.
1: Well, it, it doesn't change. It gets to be a little much. Change. Yeah, it doesn't change in college. Liz sits in the stands and uh, you know, she hears some terrible things, you know. Yeah. Obviously, I'm kind of like, you know, the drunk kids getting getting rowdy, she'll hear like parents say something it's like, I'm just going to go tell my husband like what are you doing? <laughs> uh, are you doing?
2: <laughs> well, I'm uh... I'm sending you a bunch of good parents next year, so uh, you'll have even more <laughs> more good stuff. You know those guys, though, so they're they're funny, but they won't they won't hesitate to tell you what they're thinking either, which is pretty uh,
1: They already do, man. Yeah. I already do. I mean, you know, one of the dads, I've, I've been watching the boys a little bit lately, just keeping up with them, and uh, the dads will, you know, give me the little elbow nudge, like, hey, you see what he's doing there? I'm like, yeah, it's going to look a little different next year. But, yeah, yeah, it looks good. It looks good right now. <laughs> yeah, he
2: might and be in a completely happened, different position yeah. next year. Uh, trying to chase down guys that are six three, you know, two hundred
1: pounds. Right. <laughs> the, the fun question always is, well, do you want them to play or not? Yeah. And you know, they always kind of like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just sit in the stands and enjoy the show. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. So.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So, hey, Bobby, we're uh, we're calling this podcast "Tales from the Trail." You know, the recruiting trail. Um, I have uh, Bobby O'Brien. He's the What's your official title? Technical director? Probably technical
2: director of Virginia Legacy and Virginia Rain.
0: Right. In uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, And he's here to kind of talk about the other perspective. We've had a lot of college coaches on here and um, we're going to pick his brain about the youth side of things. Um, And of course, we have Justin Chesham on here. cheese uh he's the head men soccer coach at christopher newport university in newport news virginia and um we're just kind of shooting the breeze about kids these guys are uh in the thick of it with uh, youth soccer and getting their kids through all that so i don't i i envy you and i don't envy you all at the same time um i miss it that's for sure but uh i don't uh i don't really miss it So uh, anyway uh, Bobby, so you grew up there in Williamsburg, and um, which isn't like a soccer hotbed necessarily. It's not Northern Virginia. It's not Charlotte. It's not you know wherever else. Um, How did you, you know, starting in high school? When did you decide you wanted to play in college, and and how did you go through that process?
2: And I won't I won't say how long. Well, I mean it was. It was multiple decades ago. So um the, that um it, it was a while ago. But I, I'd say I it was probably, you know, middle school age that I decided, Hey, I want I wanna try to play, you know, college soccer. I was actually at the time living in Gloucester County, which is even a smaller, smaller area that really didn't play soccer. And I started guest playing with a, a club from Williamsburg um just to try to get some better competition and such and then you know really just fell in love with it um then back then again there there wasn't readily available like epl or or soccer on tv it was more or less whenever the national team played you had to put your vcr tape in the in the Mm -hmm. thing and record it just so you could watch it later in the day so a lot of the the soccer at the highest level that I was exposed to was usually college soccer. We would go to a lot of William Mary soccer games and, and so forth. So those were, to me, that was like the, the pinnacle of, of where you could go um, at that time. So I fell in love with it and said, you know, I wanted to try to play at that level. And my family then decided to move to Williamsburg at the start of high school. Um, and, you know, we, I was lucky enough to play on a really good team back then. There weren't that many clubs as there are now I mean there's multiple clubs in multiple cities now and back then it was kind of the same four or five clubs um, or teams that were constantly you know battling for the, the state championships and so forth so um, if you could get on one of those teams or on those clubs you know generally when you went to recruiting events and so forth you you had a all the eyes were were on you nowadays there's multiple leagues and multiple tournaments and yeah you know, multiple there's just so many more kids playing soccer now than than there were then so it's a little bit more difficult now but I again I had a good coach and and people that were were guiding me to to how to communicate with coaches how to keep them updated with my schedule um how to make sure I was getting in front of them either at at camps or or at tournaments so um it, it really the one thing that hasn't really changed is that it's a, pretty much a self recruiting process like Uh, geez can probably say but you know he he gets you know probably thousands of emails uh, over the course of the season Um, and a lot of them are probably just generic you know form letters and so forth and you have to be um, specific and and really show that you want to attend that school or be at that school and at the time um, Virginia Tech was that option and um, I had family ties there and so forth so I knew a lot about the campus and and programs and things they had. So I was able to constantly speak about those things and about my desire to be there, not just as an athlete, but, you know, academically as well, which I think eventually kind of separates you from other people that may just blast out, you know, 30 or 40 emails to every division one coach or or division three coach and half the time get their name wrong because they're just, you know, not doing the research or the information that they, that they need to, to make sure it's the right fit for them.
0: Right. Um, and so how have you seen that evolve over
2: time, like
0: from when you were doing it to Well, to again,
2: to numbers of, of kids playing, um, you know, we will have kids on our teams and they're very good teams, but the kids on our teams going, hey, I want to go to school X or Y. And I'm like, well, those schools are pulling kids from all around the nation you're not necessarily even the best player on your own team within the whole state of Virginia. So like we try to like educate them on the, almost the levels or the tiers that that they're at so that they're not overshooting, you know, and wasting time, you know, trying to chase down schools and, and levels of play that realistically probably aren't going to be interested in them and trying to steer their focus to, to schools that what they're looking for athletically but also academically and probably most importantly socially too um we've had many kids that have gone to a school because of academics and because of soccer and then after a year they've come back to us and said yeah the soccer was great but that was only four months out of the year and the academics are great But socially, I'm not having a good time. I'm not having a good experience with the type of people who are here or the area of the country I'm in or the extracurricular activities or other sports or things going on at the school. Um, And that's probably the biggest thing that we encourage kids to really look at. The parents want the academics. The kids want the soccer. But are they both looking at the social aspect of of college? It should be, you know, one of the best times of your life and you, you don't want it to be a, a burden or a job or you, you want them to enjoy themselves. So trying to match up kids with their personalities that we know of them with school that we know that might fit those dynamics. And a lot of times it's schools they've never even heard of or, or know about because, you know, they watch college football on TV and college basketball and they see, you know, the cool environment. You're like, hey, I'm going to that ACC school because they have, you know, awesome football and basketball program. So i sure I'll just play soccer there too. Um, and don't look into the things that, you know, really would separate them from being able to do that or not do that. Hey,
1: right. Bobby, what do you, uh, what do you think of those conversations? You know, you got a kid in your office and, you know, he's giving you his list or her list and you're like, Oh boy, you know, and you're about to, you're going to have to hit them. You're going to have to hit them with, some honesty and you know, mom's sitting right there and you're like, Oh boy, here we go. And you know, like what, what do you, what do you think of those conversations?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, but we've learned, I mean, if you just rip the bandaid off, then uh, generally it goes a lot better after the initial shock. And then as long as we have some, some data or some information to like give them some better options, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that usually then quickly settles the, the, the nerves or the, the anxiety of it all is, you know, something we've talked about cheese. And, um, I think, you know, coach Shaw usually always mentioned it at his college presentations, he would do for us, but, you know, basically you have 80 games left in your soccer career, uh, the college, roughly 20 a year, maybe it's more than that now, 25 or so. Um, how many of those games do you want to play? So you've got a hundred games left in your career. Do you want to play 20? Do you want to play 50? Do you want to play 100? And that's where usually we can rein the parents and the kids back in because as much as they want to go to Wake Forest and UVA, UNC and Duke, we can go, okay, you might be able to, to play at the bottom of the roster and eventually work your way up and you know be a training player or a good teammate kind of guy, but you also might only play five or 10 games in your entire career, if that. Or here's a list of schools that we know that you can play at that have these things that you're looking for mom and dad academically and have these things you're looking for socially, you know, Jimmy or Johnny or Susie or whoever it is. And by the way, there you can play 60 or 70 or 80 games. And generally they're, they're excited about playing and not sitting. Um, They've been playing every minute, almost of every game, their whole life. Uh, as you know, elite soccer players, and then they don't want to necessarily stop doing that. Um, so just explain to them that there are other good options out there that they can continue playing competitively and enjoy themselves and compete for championships and things at, at different levels instead of you know just being able to post on Instagram one time in their sweatshirt that they're a Division One athlete, but then you know kind of never heard from again because. They, it's just too difficult and you know they're out recruited year over year or you know even more international people are, are coming into the mix now and you know I, I don't envy your guys jobs as as college coaches because you know you mostly have good situations but at the same time you, you have to win uh, you can't really i can spend eight years trying to develop a player and and make a, a better person a better soccer player if you don't get results at at certain levels and you don't have the time to develop kids, you have to go in the portal and you gotta find kids that can come in and compete right away, or graduate seniors, or international kids, because you if you don't win, your A D could be like, hey, yeah, we need a we need a different coach in here and then you're you're out of a job. So I get it from both sides that the the days of being able to go to a, a college as a freshman and work your way up and then play as a junior and senior at most programs, you know, aren't really there as options anymore. So um, trying to make sure the kids find the right fit so they don't get into those situations.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I've noticed, I mean, your job's, I mean, extremely difficult. It's, it's the low hanging fruit, the one where the kid comes in and like, Hey, this school just offered me a full ride. You've had, you can, you can name them. Those are just so few and far between. Uh, so really what you find yourself is uh, for every single situation The immediate response is, it depends, dot, dot, dot. And then you start filling in the rest of it. And, you know, like there's been great kids that, I mean, I'm not going to name them here, but you you know them. I coached with you for a long time. And, uh, I mean, there was a kid that I sent. I said, you need to go to Virginia Tech. You know, he was a great player. A lot of great D3 schools were interested. A couple D1 early on, but he picked up an injury, so he kind of fell behind a little bit. But had some awesome situations. Uh, Could not play at Virginia Tech. You know they they weren't offering him, but he was an awesome student rock star. Wanted to study mechanical engineering, and they accepted him into the school. And I told the kid, "I was like, well, I'm withdrawing my offer. You have to go to school there. That's the right decision for you, your family, for four and a half five years from now." And you know the kid's doing great. I mean, I kept up with the kid pretty well, and you know he's grateful. He played club soccer. He had his awesome soccer experience as well, and so. You know, that's just one of how I many How many examples have you gone through in the last 10 years where you're like, wow, I, I can tell you a kid will walk in your room, he'll tell you his story, mom will explain certain things, and you've got six stories that are comparable that were all a little different. This kid chose here, went great. This kid chose here, failed. This is why, you know, and you, the experience is huge. And, um, you know, the one thing I, I, I am curious about is how are you keeping up with, I mean, being a Virginia club? And most of these kids know that in Virginia we have lots of great schools and different options to choose from. How are you kind of, like, keeping up with how to answer each question? Because, I mean, it's easy for me. You give me a call, we'll chat about the program. takes five minutes. You work with Norris and William & Mary. But, you know, like, you have to keep all those relationships going because, I mean, what school in Virginia isn't brought up in the recruiting talks that you're having with these kids?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's it's very difficult. Um, we, we do rely heavily on uh, – like our, our coaches so you know our oldest age groups we've got you know two college coaches there that we can rely on and encourage the kids to reach out to them individually as coaches because they have that, uh, that dynamic a little bit when I'm coaching the the older teams it is you know reaching out to, to people like yourself and, and other college coaches that we may have connections with that we've you know come across or players we've sent uh, we've may have sent players to their their programs in the past and just trying to keep open lines of communication about you know what they're looking for or what the different dynamics are or how things are are changing a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean that's definitely difficult with the the massive amount we have. Um, to be honest, I wish the interaction although was a little bit more. I mean, sometimes you know we we tell the kids you know what they need to be doing and and how to do it, but now the ball's in their court, and a lot of times they might just drop that ball and then. They come back to us, uh, you know, December of their senior year going, oh, yeah, I think I want to play college soccer now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Okay, well, if you've done all the steps that you should have done in the last year that we've kind of told you about. um, And, you know, a lot of times they haven't. um, And, you know, maybe that's on us a little bit of of not constantly following up. But at the same time, if it's that kid's decision. It's that family's, you know, decision to want to do those things. I I want win games I want to I want to do lots of things but I can't live my life vicariously through all these kids uh, they've got to right. take it upon themselves if they're wanting to do certain things and and have the effort and, and drive to do that because if they do it now when they do get to that college you know they'll have that same type of work ethic and then they'll probably succeed it's, it's those players that are wishy-washy that you know probably won't make it at the next level anyways because if going gets tough or whatever that they, they might just you know back off so Trying to constantly talk to them and encourage them to, to do these sort of things, but um, you know, it's a lot of times we, we do leave the ball in court to be communicating. We tell them not don't have your parent communicate with the with the coach. Make sure it's the kids that are you know reaching out and keeping the the coach updated of you know where you're going to be or or even just following their seasons. Hey, send them a note. You know, in the fall, hey, congrats on your win last week. I was following online nowadays. You can watch so much college soccer you know online through streaming and so forth so the, the access for these kids to to interact with you guys as college coaches is, is it's much different than it was in the past so I encourage them to right. really take advantage of that
1: well and and you can't have a conversation about recruiting where you aren't on the front end asking them well let me ask you first you know what are you looking for what are your grades What what's important to you how far from home what's your financial situation I mean you can't have any conversation on where that kid could choose to go to school without asking 10, 15 questions on the front end to help you help them narrow down their field to, you know, look, there's 50 awesome choices here in Virginia alone. Let's get that thing down to five based off of your own criteria. Sure. And to this point, that's where the kids have to do their homework before they even come knock on your door, before they reach out to you. They need to know a lot of those questions ahead of time so that when they are coming to you, like, all right, Bobby. This is how, what we can afford. This is what we're looking for. You know, I want to do this socially. That's a great thing. You mentioned earlier, what level can we play? And then all of a sudden that conversation goes from you asking so many questions so early and then them not knowing the answer or like, wow, what I didn't think about these things to here's five schools that I think make perfect sense for you. I've got awesome relationships with all of them and I can at least find out what they need. You know, do they, huh. how, how many people are they bring in? Do they need a left back like you play or, or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's sad to say this, but it really is. They have to come in way more prepared before they even knock on your door.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, absolutely. That's, um, and, you know, some of them are on the ball, but there, there's a lot that we're constantly trying to say. It's, you, you got to get ahead of the game. You got to get ahead of the game. And, um, you know, like any teenager, you know, procrastination is, you know, just one of those, traits and that we try to, you know, encourage out of them so that they don't, you know, fall into those those holes or, or fall behind because, you know, they're competing with, you know, their peers. They're competing with, you know, every team in, in the state of Virginia and the leagues that they're playing in. And then they're also competing teams from outside the area and, and stuff too. And I don't think they realize the, the, le- the level of competition, amount of kids, um, I mean the level of soccer is really good now too. I mean it, you it, any league Sorry. Uh any league you can really, you know, find players and you know, I I usually tell the kids, you know, when you go out and watch a game, there's 22 kids on the field, you can usually pick out the two best players on the entire field and that's probably what most college coaches are doing and you can probably pick out the two worst players on the field and then you know the other 18 in the middle like you know it's, they're all pretty similar um so you're fighting against all those players that try to stand out and you got to find ways to to do that whether it's on the field or off the field or through connections and, and stuff you have so um trying to differentiate yourself is is the biggest thing we try to probably press to them um which is obviously the hardest thing to do
0: What's, what's kind of like the, the timeline when you're telling kids to get started as far as uh, reaching out to coaches? And and what's your recommendation as to how they reach out to them?
2: I mean, I'd say generally, I mean, for girls and boys, it's it's very different. Um, but generally, for, for our club and the level of players we have, it's usually – um, you know, fall of their junior year, are they starting the process? So maybe spring of their sophomore year, they're they're dabbling in some ID camps and things like that and, and trying to, you know, at least get their name out there. But realistically, you know, coaches are looking at juniors and, and seniors depending on where they're at in their recruiting processes. So I'd say probably junior year we're encouraging them to to start reaching out to, to people and sending an email introducing, you know, yourself and kind of what team you play on what club you're from you know, what your tournament schedule looks like, what league you play in, and that, you know, you'll constantly be following up with them with, with any pertinent information as they go on. And again, encouraging them to try to differentiate themselves through, you know, as they reach out to that school is, you know, hey, I'm a 4.2, you know, student and, you know, academically, I want to, you know, be an engineer and, you know, I recognize that you have one of the best engineering programs, you know, on the East Coast. And I, I really think i would be a good academic fit for for those kind of things or anything they can do to kind of connect themselves to the school that, you know, obviously that same sentence or or not couldn't go into another email to another school because um, it wouldn't be as as specified. So trying to encourage them to do those kind of things as well and do a little research on the school. Um, both academically and athletically so that they can speak to that in their initial email and, and maybe draw the coach's eye to them a little bit as well because, you know, they've put in a little bit more effort than, than maybe the next kid that sends a similar email.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I've heard all you guys cheese. Go ahead. I know what you're going to say. I uh, think... I don't
1: know. Right. <laughs> I wanted to follow up on it because you mentioned the guys and girls thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the timelines are incredible. I mean, it blows my mind when, when I was coaching with the United Girls team to have a girl that's 14 years old in ninth grade on my team that I just picked up two months earlier. And, you know, the Power 5 top D1 programs calling me about this kid. I'm just like, you probably won't use this kid for five more years. How are you already recruiting her? But they have to. They have to. She was a fantastic player, and I got it. You know, I'm like, oh, man, that's – it just blew my mind you know like they're not going to use this kid for five more years and how different is she going to be from 14 to 19 or to 20 when she finally can get on the field and help a big time program and so it's it just to, to stay along that theme though between guys and girls you've got you've got a really good girl in your office or a really good guy just left what is the difference obviously of the timeline but what are those conversations like where i'll just guess that the boys are mainly just focused on the soccer like i want to play soccer here they're not looking at pretty much anything else it's my experiences with most of these kids in my office and maybe the girl is looking at oh i like it this is close to the beach or i like this you know are you you noticing a theme there between the between boys and girls
2: yeah i mean exactly that's that's i mean that's the theme it's um it's the same theme and in club soccer i mean a lot of girls play soccer still because they want to be with their friends and socially play and you know, we can move boys around to different teams and, Hey, we need people over here. And they're like, okay, I'll go play. Like they just want to play soccer. I don't care who it's with. They want to play as much as they can. Um, the, the girls side of soccer, at least at our club level, has more social based friendship based, or are my friends doing it, you know, do they have a connection to, to want to do it? Um, and then that translates obviously into college too. Like, Hey, what, what area of the country do I want to to live in? You you can put a boy in pretty much any area of the country. If they have a good soccer team, he'll be like, all right, I'll, I'll, doesn't matter. I'm just going to play soccer the whole time. Right. Um, and obviously the girls typically need a little bit more um, of the extracurricular things, but that's not wrong. That's actually right. Like, And that's what we try to tell the boys too, is that you can't get blinded by oh, that team was a top 10 soccer team last year because that could change on a dime. And if you get injured or something happens and you're in the middle of, you know, nowhere at a school that you don't enjoy being and it rains eight months out of the year and it's all never sunny. Like, are you going to enjoy your experience at the college, not just on the soccer field? Um, hmm. So, balance, trying to find the medium and the balance between, you know, what the girls and boys are, are both thinking, and again, the parents are always just going, "Well, what are the academics? What are the academics?" Um, so, we try to tell them too. You can't just necessarily look at the the overall academic, you know, profile of the school. Like um, maybe you you want to be something specified, a, a veterinarian or an engineer or whatever it is, and maybe that school across the board isn't great academically, but has a really good specified program and what you're looking at, then, you know, uh, a lot of times the parents don't necessarily look at that. They just hear certain schools or know of certain schools and they go, well, that one's not very good academically. Well, they might not be in eight out of 10 things, but two things that are actually the best. And you should actually look at them for those things or just um, if that's what your kid is interested in. So really just encouraging parents and kids to to dive in to the schools and the programs, especially that they're, that they're interested in and not just, you know, Googling it and whatever the first hit that comes up and going oh, this school's not good enough for my kid or or whatnot. So. I talk
1: to kids all the time and uh, they'll, they'll say, you know, it's a good school academically, but they're not digging into the little small things. They'll just type in on Google, like, Oh, the average kid's a three, nine. That's a good school. But, you know, inside the one topic you want to study, what's their track record of dumping kids into an awesome master's program or their internships that are built in or are, are so fantastic. So I'm going to, i know I'm going to get a job right when I graduate. And uh, you know, another thing kids don't ever talk about is uh, the study abroad programs. Some of them are built into school. Some of them you got to do on their own, but uh, this is, these are the things that I try to get kids to understand that when you graduate, there's going to be thousands and thousands of other kids that just graduated the same day or that week or whatever. That i'll have the exact same sheet of paper that you do that are going to be looking for the exact same jobs that you're looking for so how are you going to separate yourself what are you going to do during your four years what's the school's track record of placing kids post-grad what what's what can you expect and you know that's well it's not guaranteed you could ask all those questions to the university to the admissions department and they're going to have all those answers locked in and they're going to be able to help you you know that's going to really sift through and separate a lot of schools that might be tied for some reason but this school has some awesome program built into this thing you want to study. And next thing you know, you're like, well, I definitely want to do that in four and a half years. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm glad you're saying a lot of these things. It's, it's, we've had too many kids come in the last, you know, since I've been doing this for 20 years now that you we are like, wow, this kid has no idea what he's looking for. All he did was hear. Oh yeah. Good soccer team. You know, doesn't know anything else. And, uh, uh, I definitely agree with you that on the girls' side, they're focused on those things a little bit more. Uh, it's like the dorms, the dining halls. I mean, what's Virginia Tech ranked nationally in yeah, dining? Now? They're
2: usually pretty high, and, and we, right. we tell the we tell the kids that too. Like, I mean, and you know, kids like what gear do they get? What, is, what are the teams wearing? Like, what is, right. how much extra swag and, and stuff do they get to to keep? Um, right. You mentioned abroad, are are there soccer teams and stuff taken? trips to abroad for for preseason or are they playing games around the country? That was one of the greatest things about, you know, playing, I thought was road trips with the team, road trips with your buddies, um, getting to see different areas of the country. So are you always playing in the same little bubble or are you going to Texas and going to California and going into the Northeast, getting on a plane, doing different things that are life experiences that can, you know, separate those those certain programs out from others that, that may not be doing those things. But, yeah, I mean, dorms, food, um, you know, it, how big is the dorms? Do they have air, A- AC? I mean, most dorms are pretty nice now, but, you know, back when I was going through it, there were dorms that didn't have air conditioning. And you had to, like, okay, pick schools based on some of these outlying things that you didn't necessarily think you are going to have to look at. What's the class ratio? Um, you know, are you – in classes that are 20 to one or are you stuck in a bunch of lecture hall type classes where it's 200 to one and some kids do better in those situations and some kids don't they they fall behind so um diving into to those things i think is is really important and again, a lot of kids are just blinded by one or two key things and, and not looking at all the other things because you're like you said things you mentioned you're asking them to think four five six years ahead and they want to think about tomorrow and when they get to play soccer next or or whatever so really laying it out there for them that certain decisions they make now can really affect their future and that they'll look back on it in a couple years and hopefully thank us for for driving them a little bit the right direction sure i would love to say x amount of kids play college soccer this year and, and post it all over instagram and stuff like that but You know, more importantly, I'd rather have those kids come back to me and say thank you for the advice. Um, Mm -hmm. By going to this school and playing club soccer and getting this degree was better than going to this school and saying I played collegiate soccer, but you know now I'm behind because I had to transfer to go to grad school to do this to get that job that my buddies got. You know, because they chose a different route. So um, that's that's generally where we or we align and. Some clubs are like most clubs are like that. I think, um, and we don't, you know, push it to, to certain situations. We want to make sure at least they've thought it through before they kind of make their commitment.
1: Sure. So no, I, I think you brought up a huge point. You're talking about travel. You're talking about being with the team, and uh, you know, I, I played, you played as well, and I, my my best memories weren't on the field. And uh, you know, I when I talked to my alums and guys that I played with we aren't reminiscing about some big win or some goal that was scored. I, I didn't score it, but somebody else might have scored it. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the bus trips, you know, the the post-win hangout session at, at the guy's house, or, you know, uh, the guys love talking about the flights. You know, you go on a big flight, you're going to spend three or four days together and play some awesome games, but the meals on the road, you know, stuff like that, I mean, that's that's the experience that most kids, you know, they, they don't even think about. And, you uh, know, I... I we do alumni events all the time. We have a pretty strong alumni. And, you know, right when I got the head job, I kind of sat back and was like, I was more organizing and stuff than anything. So I wasn't just an alum doing all the hanging out and the fun stuff. I had to kind of make sure the event was running well. So it's a whole different role. And uh, I just sat back and I was listening to all the conversations and I tell kids this all the time now in recruiting, because they like to ask about culture and I bring up uh, my alums because there's no way to really talk about culture, what coach is going to, Give you a bad report on the culture of their program and so i always bring, bring up my alums and i'm sitting there we're at the golf tournament we're up there at kiskiak playing golf we're now post you've been to the mm-hmm. event uh so we're now after the event they're just hanging out they're all laughing they're all you know telling lies all that fun stuff but it's if you really sit down and you listen do you know what, they don't ever talk about the soccer they never talk that's the whole reason they were there. And they don't even talk about it. We, uh, we, we've we had some alums that were extremely successful and had some pretty good teams, and they're not even talking about that. They're talking about some funny story that happened or something in the locker room or a bus trip or, you know, their current lives, their wives, their kids, you know, something like that, depending on how old they are. And they almost never talk about the soccer. And uh, it's it's we're talking about these kids that are making decisions because of soccer, and they don't realize that is – that's like – that has to be secondary or you know, third or fourth down the line, because the other part of it's going to be what you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, I just, I wish more kids would try to engulf that, try to embrace that.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point too, with the, the alumni. And I think that's important to, to, and we've done that sometimes soon. We have kids that are like, I want to go to this school. We know we have a kid that's gone there in the past or whatever. We'll try to connect them to, to get their input on, on what their experience was and stuff. But, um, I mean, I'm in group chats with guys that I played with, but I'm also in the same group chats that have guys that played 20 years before me and, you know, 12 years after me. And we're all talking about the same things. And um, because, you know, we played with one guy who's three years younger, but he played with a guy three years younger, and he played with a guy that's three years younger, and they're all connected through individual people. And then you all talk about the same things and bring back memories and stuff. And it's, um, it's, yeah, that's why I urge kids to to want to. play the next level it's not you know necessarily i'm going to be a professional soccer player or this you know an extension of your competition and competing what you've done your whole life but also you know uh creating a new family for yourself or friendships and connections and and so forth and networking um i think that's obviously one of the coolest parts uh about it for sure i'm pretty sure ask anybody those kind of things give the same answer as that (laughs) funny like instagram thing that pops up I think it's a Boston College basketball player and he, it's like it's last game press conference and you know he starts they ask you know what's he's going to miss the most and he starts tearing up and all this stuff and it's like a long long pause and he goes dinner or dinner, yeah. dinner with the guys or something like that and everyone's like waiting for, you know elaborate answer and he literally was like I'm just going to miss like dinner with my buddies like afterwards and stuff like that and it's like hits home so oh
1: yeah yeah
2: that's uh it's so it's so
1: accurate it's so accurate and
0: that speaks to the importance of doing the homework up front and really understanding you know the places that you're looking at going and making sure
2: that it's the right place not just any old place right yeah i mean you you gotta like the people that are there i mean so we you, know, you brought the thing up with with girls and they're having to make commitments a lot of times before they can even make official visits. And you know, we're encouraging kids to you know take your time when you can because you want to be able to take those visits, those overnights, be around the people, be around the team, see if those people mesh with you. I mean, not every person is the same, there's lots of different types of, of people out there, and there's not a wrong or right answer about it but people just like different things and you know act different ways and and if you're at a school that doesn't fit your dynamic what you like to do um then generally that'll that'll seep through if you're with guys on the soccer team that you know you don't get along with or, or players that you know just act ways that you, that you don't enjoy then you know you're gonna have a bad experience there too no matter how good the soccer team is or isn't so you know turning over every stone that you can and, and trying to get, you know, activated to what it's life is like there as, a, as a soccer player and, and who the people are around you um, to, to judge if you're going to enjoy, you know, being friends with for the, for the rest of your life or, you know, you're just getting in and this is miserable and can't wait to leave kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And it's really tough. I mean, we, we brought up that girl from earlier who was a freshman and let's, let's say an offer came. And she needed to make a decision right away because they had some other superstar in California, another superstar in Texas. And basically I'm going to you first. If, if you say no in the next week, I'm going somewhere else. You have a week. And, and it's it's interesting to your point, like you just said, they, they haven't been there with the team yet. Or even if they have, it's it's kind of a, you know, they're, they're trying not to break any rules, of yeah. course, but think about the roster that they currently have. And then what's that roster going to look like when they get there and, I mean, ninety percent of those girls will be gone. Only the current—if you're a sophomore, only the current freshmen will still be there when you arrive, and they're going to be seniors. They're going to be focusing on their their final year. You know, they got uh, you know, whatever internships. They're they're in a whole different world. Your relationship with them is going to be small, especially once the fall ends and you're you're not playing soccer anymore. They're definitely diving into just whatever I need to do to get out of here and graduate. Um, you know, so you've got a whole locker room filled with people that you don't even know, you never met before, and uh, that's that's a tough that's a tough dynamic, tough one to choose from. And you know, I, I tell this story a lot about a buddy of mine that runs camps, and uh, he he coaches awesome girls' team. And uh, I I brought up something with him a few years ago when I had uh, one of the girls' teams in your club, and uh, about transferring. And he said, you know, he was so upset. He had a team that won the national championship, so club national title, awesome team. I don't know the exact number, but I want to say 11 or 12 of them went Division 1. And uh, he had said that some of them were committing just because another girl committed, they felt like they had to commit immediately. And that was one huge red flag that I, I wanted, yeah, everybody know that's not that's not the right reason for you to commit. And then the other red flag was, he said nine, I, never, I remember that number, nine of whoever it was, 11 or 12 girls went Division 1, nine of them transferred after the first year. This isn't a knock on Division 1, I'm not saying that, but what the alarming word is was transferred. Nine out of those girls transferred and, you know, to the point of deciding way too early or not doing enough homework on the front end and you know, jumping the gun is clearly what's happening here. And it's it's sad. You don't want to see these kids in the portal. You don't want to see these kids nobody's picking a school, knowing, oh, I'm going to transfer here in a year. You're not making that decision. You want to stay there. You want that to be your home and you know it's it's sad. I, I don't like how you know, I use the portal, so I'm you know going to sound like a hypocrite here a little bit, but I, as a parent, as someone that you know actually cares about these kids, it, it does. Like you see a kid in there, you know him, and you go ah, like, oh, you know, like I'm going to reach out to him. He's a good player, but like, darn, you know, like it didn't work out for him in the process. Well, it's too bad. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it's not exactly the ideal scenario to have to transfer. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of, um, thinking you guys probably have specific stories of kids that have come up through the club there and then cheese you've known about. And, um, I guess I, I, if you have like specifics, you know, where something worked out and something maybe didn't work out in, in another, instance you know um you know just to provide just to kind of color in like with specific examples of of things that how things have gone for kids and that sort of thing yeah i got a couple
2: i mean i there's there's one really good player we had a couple years ago um and he went to a division three school and they were a good soccer program and as a freshman, he made All Conference and, and so forth, and w- was a really good player. Um, but didn't love again, didn't love socially, the, the the people, the 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 vibe of the school that he was he was at. So he transferred to a Division One school to not play soccer. Um, he actually, um, well, while at that school, became um, the captain of the club soccer team. At that school, and they won a club national championship, and they were able to, you know, compete around the nation and and do those kind of things. He also was a practice player for the women's team, and they were either national champions or, or runners up too. So he, he was able to like compete and 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 be around you know high level soccer and a lot of good players. And you know when he became the captain of the, of the club soccer team, you know I was asking him questions about you know tryouts and stuff, and he had mentioned that like. 200 players came to like his club soccer tryout and they only took, you know, 24 kids or whatever it is. So like a lot of really good players that pick academic schools because they're some of the best schools in the nation here and around us in Virginia. And, you know, they can't play soccer at them, but they can do other things there that satisfy those needs. And then, you know, can move on, there's also players that, you know, the flip side of that when, you know, could have gone to, to Division One schools and, and sat a little bit. And, you know, they have then choose a, a different school where they can go play immediately, and then they have a great four-year career and, you know, become two-time All-Americans and, you know, have a great experience that way. So it, it really is a much individual, um, to, but the underlying theme would be Hammer Home is that have to enjoy all aspects of, of what they're getting themselves into to have the best well-rounded experience and sometimes you know that that athletic experience might not be an official ncaa level it may be something else intramural club soccer or something of, of that nature and uh, sometimes it is the ncaa experience but you got to make sure you have the social aspect or an area you want to live in um, you know, my own brother uh went to William and Mary here in town and great academic school, great soccer program. Um, but after two years, you know, it was like, Okay, I've grown up in Williamsburg. Now I'm in school in Williamsburg. I, I wanna do something different social thing. People hang out over and over and over again. We do the same things. Um so he, you know, transferred to a bigger school, doesn't play soccer. Um, and you know, doesn't regret it for one bit because he you know had a great experience playing you know other sports there and, and doing other things and and you know being a, a college student too. So I, I've seen stories from you know both sides of the thing and it's really up to each individual kid to follow you know what it is that they're really looking for, not what I want and not what Cheese wants and not what mom and dad want to be honest. It's you know what drives them that that's going to that best experience over the next, you know, four or five years that that will make them enjoy it on the back end and think, you know, whoever had a hand in it.
1: Uh, staying on the top of your brother uh, since he transferred and um, went to a place and then he was on the team though, right? But he just didn't get on the field. Yeah, Is that was, what you're
2: saying? He he had to back then the transfer was much different. He had to sit for a year. Yeah, so right. he transferred. Uh, William Mary had a, a pretty strict transfer rule at that time. that um, So he had to sit for a whole year. So he trained and, and did everything for a whole year. And then at, at that time, it was just like, all right, I'm like burnt out. Like I've done nothing but practice for a whole year knowing, you know, it's pretty difficult to go to practice every day, knowing that you're never going to play in the game because you can't. Um, and But to give that level of commitment needed to like try to keep, um, I think just became too difficult on them to be like, I – I could be doing other things with my time i could you know you know repurpose it elsewhere and, and that's kind of what he did at the time and, yeah. you know it's worked out well for him so
1: well let me ask you this do you think that it took the experience before he realized that or do you think that he could have if he went through the whole process again started back as a junior in high school do you think that he could have done something differently and figured out those answers before he committed then he just went straight to Virginia Tech
2: immediately. I, I, he does it again he does it differently uh, okay uh, similar to to some of the things you, you brought up earlier but at the time uh, the year before William Mary was in the top 25 so like he was like oh it's top 25 program um, he had with with Norris and, and the other coaches that were there, they were coaching him at the club, so he he felt comfortable with him. It was almost the safe thing to do and not step out of his comfort zone. You know, he's right. in town. Um, there was a really good team that we always played against at a Beach FC, and two kids committed there as well. So not saying he committed there because his buddies committed there and good players, but that helped knowing, like, oh, man, they're going to be even better. So he was, I think he was blinded by... Again, the academics allure of William Mary, who wouldn't be? Um, and the athletic allure of they were a top 25 program at the time. Um, but I don't think he took into enough consideration some of the social aspects of things that he ended up loving when he transferred to Virginia Tech and was able to be a part of a bigger school, bigger community, bigger activity, um, those kind of things. Because right. he had those options uh, before choosing William Mary. They weren't at Virginia Tech, but there were other Division ones. schools. Had similar um, type of things that he could be doing, and I don't think he thought of all those things. And I think now, knowing what he knows, he would probably choose a little bit different. Although I don't think he regrets the way it's worked out. He's still great friends with those those players, and connection to William Marion in town and stuff. So uh, everything works out for a reason, I think. But he would probably do it differently, I think.
1: Well, I think you brought up a super interesting point when you said he transferred sweet. He had to sit out a year he technically had soccer taken away for an entire year so we had to look at his life and his situation from a different lens and a lot of kids went through that with COVID. you know you know the kids in college for example they that was taken from they couldn't play at all and i know in division one they kind of had a season in the spring and so maybe they could have it may it may have felt like it wasn't fully taken away but it's just been interesting to see how kids who have had soccer completely taken away whether it's through covid like your brother transferring or like I was on the phone with an alum yesterday whose daughter just recently tore ACL. So soccer was taken away from her for a year while she's recovering. And it's interesting when you talk to those kids and now how their recruiting process goes or their decision process goes, knowing that there are certain things that are completely off the table now. Now you you almost are forced to really focus on everything else besides soccer. And while I don't want everybody to tear their ACL or have to transfer or something, have to sit out a year, it almost helps you answer all these other questions. And so, you know, it, it's to, to the point of if you never play a single minute, you never play a single minute of soccer, whether you're on the team or not, are you going to be happy at that school? And that's that's the only question that truly, truly matters that's going to lead to these fun alumni conversations that you and I were just talking about. That's the only way. I mean, inside of those group chats, there are players that never played a minute, probably. You know, absolutely. They love, they loved their experience, you know. And uh, yeah, I I just wish more kids would kind of try to put themselves in those situations. It's hard. I get it. I was 16 once. You know, you know, like you talked about in the beginning, the recruiting process was different. You got letters in the mail. You know, I mean, that was that was the process. And uh, I can't tell you. I mean, I just threw away. I'm like, I don't even know what that school is. You know, what's a Christopher Newport? Who's that guy? You know, I just threw it in the trash. Probably. You know, I I can't I can't imagine the letters that were just gone that I, you know, I could have at least looked in and like, wow, what a, what a great school. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, that's uh, that's, it's such an interesting one. I, I I'm going to share the story with the, that alum whose dad or whose daughter is now torn ACL just to remind them that they're, it's not over. They're going to find an awesome place and they're going to, they may have luckily found into fell into something that they wouldn't have on the other way. Yeah.
2: I mean, he, he, Repurposed what his major was. He got into something different. Ended up going to the grad school, um, and I mean now he's he's the he's the head sports nutritionist for the Atlanta Braves. I mean he's working for, for for a professional sports organization. You know, on the field, traveling with the team every game. I mean, so like he's he's doing what we all would want to be doing right now, to be honest, is like you know working with professional mm-hmm. athletes on a on a daily basis and. You know, he he was a soccer guy that never even liked that, but got into sports and nutrition, those type of things. Um, and again he had that time to like re look at what do I want to do? I'm not doing soccer anymore. What do I want to do to to set myself up to to have the best, you know, life experiences and and that's what he did. I think again a lot of kids may not do that. They're just focused on soccer, 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 and then it gets to spring of their graduation year, and they're like, okay, now what am I going to do? That soccer's over. Um, and they didn't necessarily think about all the things they could be doing on the way through, uh, running right. to set themselves up on the back end.
1: You were just down there, right?
2: I, I went, think I saw I, was, I remember in. spring break.
1: Yeah, uh, Were you at the
2: Padres game? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Padres fan. I think, I think that was the game that the Braves won. I'm like, man. Yeah,
2: no. I went to the one game they won. Um, walk off in the in the ninth inning was pretty cool, and then that's lost cool, the next. Yeah. I told him that like I became a true Braves fan that night. So Friday morning was my first day being a Braves fan, and then they lost the next three games. So <laughs> my, I, I put the jinx on them. Generally, teams I'm fans of like don't do well. So I fall. Right. So uh, I got a couple,
1: Scott. You know, there's the the oldest team now. I've got four of those kids coming to us. Actually, offered. I think two other ones, one's still on the side and one's uh, going to a different school uh, for great reasons for him and his family. Uh, But there's a kid on that team that uh, I helped. I I never really talked to the kid. I liked him a lot. I thought he could play for me. But once I heard what he wanted to study, I was like, oh, well, he shouldn't have come to see you. So I didn't recruit the kid. But as soon as I heard what he wanted to study and some of those schools he was zeroing in on or who was talking to him, I kind of was realizing who was recruiting him. I, I knew of two or three schools right away that would make perfect sense. And uh, reached out to those schools. They immediately went to go watch the kid. I, I think he made an awesome decision. He wanted to study a certain type of engineering. And to the kid's credit, he did the research. He found a couple of schools that made perfect sense. And uh, I'll be honest with you, around here, I guarantee you he was going to mention those schools. And definitely the kids on the team are probably like, where is that? But it's a great school, great academic fit up in Pennsylvania. And he found another school actually down the road from them in Pennsylvania that. And I know the coach really well. He's a great man. I think he's gonna love playing for him, and I think he can get on the field pretty quickly. And he's going to get the exact degree that he wanted. And I mean, kudos to him. I would have taken him. I think that Norris even had a little bit of interest early on. So he had a high, you know, high D three into the Division One level that he could have could have sought out, and he found a great Division Three program that has the exact fit academically. And he went up for a visit and liked the, the small town feel. You know, it was it was a it was a good situation for him and. Like I, the chances of him being in the portal and not being happy is so small. And I mean, just kudos to him. And uh, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, Bobby. You know, there's another kid that we both know really, really, really well um, that played for both of us. And he had an interesting story. You know, he went through the COVID situation and uh, did not like where he wanted to go and or where he was and had nothing to do with soccer, had nothing to do with the school. He just was like, you know what? I just need a change. Something happened to me. He needed a change. This is going to happen. So as bad as transfer portal can be for some kids cause they're making the wrong decisions. I think this kid actually made a good decision early and it just, it just changed on him. It just completely changed. And kind of like your brother, it changed. Maybe, maybe he did make the absolute best decision if he were to do it over again, and would still transfer, you know? So it is, there are positives here. And uh, to this kid's credit, he, you know, I took him out to breakfast. He wanted to talk about a few things and uh I knew he was going to probably end up at a Division three place, so I sent him as far away from me as I possibly could because I didn't want to play against him. And uh, you know, I think he's found an awesome home. He's scoring a bunch of goals, and uh, he loves it down there. And he basically was like, "I want to be in a big city. I want to play for a great soccer team. I don't care what the division is. I just want to be another piece to their puzzle that's striving for national championships. And uh, I want to have an opportunity to do something great when I graduate. And you know, so the kid did his homework, and unfortunately, it had to be after going through something that was uncomfortable or something he didn't like, which the COVID situation was that for him, just like thousands of other kids across the country. And, um, you know, so it's as much as I talk about the transfer portal, and it could be negative to talk about in the front end for these kids, you don't want to be in there. Obviously you don't want to be in there, but it, once you, if you find yourself in a situation like your brother, or like this other kid we're talking about, you you can use it. You can use it and go through the process again and, you're probably looking at it in a completely different lens. And I think overall, that's what we're trying to get the kids to do as 16 year olds, rather than, you know, waiting for something to happen or waiting for you to completely change your mindset on, on what you want to do with the next few years of your life.
0: Yeah. It's tough to convince 16 year olds that they don't know everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> We were all 16 year old boys at one point, 13
2: year old that she doesn't um, know everything. So I like, the, like a, the, the scale is only getting worse the wrong direction right Bobby girls do know everything so it's the
0: boys that are the problem um, yeah my daughter was way more mature than me at age 13 so um, probably still is so yeah I, you guys have anything else we're coming up on an hour um, I'll be respectful of everyone's time here um, that was great She's got an no, no, I enjoyed that. Yeah, no, that was really good. What's that? No, it was really good. Uh, I guess we're going to have to have another O'Brien on. It would be good to uh, have a little nutrition talk on here, too. Yeah,
2: I mean, he'd be, cool. ha- he'd be happy to do that. He, yep. he, he'll do whatever. He loves still talking soccer and stuff, too. So
0: Yeah, all these kids think they can drink Coke and, and eat. and everything so uh probably need to uh,
2: know what that does he has told me some stories not necessarily about the brazier but before that he was um with the milwaukee bucks and he was also uh did some things and some preseason stuff with the the redskins and the Eagles one year uh and he said like the rookies would come in they would just like plow through donuts and just all kinds of stuff but like they look like, I mean, it was like star running backs and stuff. And he was like, I'm not, I'm not telling that guy that he can't eat those six donuts. He, If he wants those donuts, I'll eat them. Like, yeah. uh, I'll go work with the linemen on, on what they should be eating to turn them down a little bit. I'm not telling sure. a linebacker that he can't right. eat that at all. Right. So. Right. Yeah.
0: Genetics are a big, big help too. So, yeah. we don't all have those. Um. Cool. Uh, yeah, if you guys don't have anything else, we can um, we can wrap it up. And um, I, it's really grateful for uh, your time, Bobby. That was really good um, to get another perspective from uh, the uh,
1: awesome. end of things. Thank you so, you guys having me. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks, Bobby. was awesome.
0: Yeah. So, I'll uh, I'll hit stop here. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so that I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. See you on the trail.